So in the epistle, the theme is walking by the Spirit. And in the gospel, we have this um, interaction with uh, ten sick people. They're, they're lepers. And Jesus um, heals them. And then Jesus says, at the, uh, 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 towards the end of our gospel lesson, were there not ten men cleansed, but where are the nine? There were not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one man, a foreigner. One priest comments upon this text, how many came back to say thank you? That's the question of the gospel, right? So ten men are cleansed, and nine of them just keep going when they realize they're cleansed, because Jesus sends them to the priests, and on the way they get cleansed, and one of them goes, I'm healed. And he runs back to Jesus, and he falls at his feet, saying, thank you, glory be to you, wow, you cleansed me, you healed me. Our priest continues, he says, The gospel for the Holy Communion of this Sunday is that of the ten lepers who were healed by leaving Jesus to go see the priest. Only one returns to worship and give thanks, and he is a Samaritan. Now, uh, remember that a Samaritan is, to the Jews, he's a half-breed. During that time, he, the, the Jews of Jesus' day would have seen a Samaritan as a fake Jew. Not the real thing. They are pretenders at best. They're pretending to be Jewish, but a true-blooded Jew would say, they're just pretending. They're not the real thing. But Jesus points out that only the pretender, the fake Jew, came back to give thanks. Presumably, the other nine men were Jews, and they didn't bother. Remember how this scene starts. Ten sick men, lepers. And leprosy um, in the first century is probably not the same disease that we label leprosy today. That's the scholar's take on it. They don't know exactly what it was, but it would have been some skin disease. Um, So 10 men, lepers, they're on the side of the road in front of a village. Uh, Men that are sick, men and women that are sick like this, are they welcome into a village? No, they're they're ostracized. They, They have a very, very rough life. In fact, even up in through the Middle Ages and a little bit after the Middle Ages, We had such things called leper colonies. Oh, you have leprosy. Go live over there. In a sense, it might make some sense. They didn't know about this disease. Is it contagious? Can others catch it? So if you're sick, you're going to go live with the sick people. Excuse me. We have lots of um, instances of Christians, and particularly priests, who go to bring the gospel and to minister to leper colonies. And quite often, a a number of them catch the disease and die of it as well. But in this case, you've got 10 men. They all have leprosy. They're not really welcome in 
the village. So they're standing on the side of the road and they're outside the village. Jesus is going to the village. And they see him coming and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Ten men wanting healing. How many were healed? All ten. But only one turned around and came back to Jesus and said, thank you. My friends, holy baptism is the healing of our sin. It's the healing of our soul and our bodies. The healing of all of our spiritual infirmity. All the sin we inherit as humans, all the sin we commit is washed away in the waters of baptism. We are cleansed, we are healed. The image is of a bath. It's taking a bath or in our, most of us probably take showers. The water cleanses us, it runs over us. Yes, use soap, boys. Um, But it is a cleaning process and that's what's happening, happening spiritually in baptism. We are cleansed, we are healed of our sin sickness. one wonders as in this case of only one healed leper returning to give thanks to Jesus how many of us that are baptized return to Jesus and say thank you how many of us live a life of thanksgiving in Christ's church I mean it is our choice to return and give thanks or not to Our faithfulness to living like Jesus and worshiping Jesus in his church is the rightful thanksgiving of our healing in the waters of baptism. And this thanksgiving uh, that we can pursue with our lives is not done merely on our own power. This is where that that letter to the Galatians theme comes in. St. Peter at Pentecost proclaimed that all who repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of their sins shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In our baptism, we receive the power of God to fulfill our calling of thanksgiving. Of course, one of the names of our service this morning is the Holy Eucharist, which means the Holy Thanksgiving. But we are called to live out the thanksgiving, not just here at church, but every day in every moment. And the simple way uh, that we do that is to love God every moment and to love our neighbors as ourselves. To think of our neighbor, uh, the person next to you, as more important than you are. And all of that does mean joy and peace and kindness and patience. Well, it means what we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit we've been given, the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead. And again, we have that Holy Spirit within us. Virtue, however, these good fruits of the Spirit, patience, kindness, peace, joy, these virtues have to be practiced. If we don't practice these virtues, we would likely Be like the nine who did not come back to thank Jesus. Jesus' life was a pure example of the fruit of the Spirit. 
the virtues of a life we want to live but find it so difficult to live. Therefore, living this life of thanksgiving is a disciplined life. If you want to be the best that you can be at an athletic endeavor, you must practice, practice, practice. It is a constant commitment to improve your 10-foot left-handed jump shot, your free throw ability, your speed and agility agility and ball handling. And I'm using examples from basketball because that's the game I played when I was young. This constant practice will, in basketball, show in your skills when you are in competition. And I saw an example of that one summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I spent a good hour every morning, every morning, a good hour, sometimes more, practicing my ball handling skills, shooting free throws, doing layups, left-handed shots. I'm right-handed. Those are hard. Um, And I mean, hours over the summer, that was hours and hours of practice. And when I was playing in competition the next year, one of the opposing coaches who had Um, coached his team against my team the year before. After the game, he came up to me and said, you've improved a lot. You've been practicing, haven't you? That's the only way to get better. You have to practice. Whatever it is, if you're an artist, if you're a sculptor, do you think that Michelangelo sculpted the David his first day? Right? It took a lifetime of practice. It's really a simple equation. Good practice will will cause better results. We just need to apply this idea to our lives of thanksgiving. Baptism says the same priest I referenced at the beginning, is baptism is a real entrance into the Christian faith. It is an act of grace, of God's mercy, in which our mistakes and our failures, our sin, are washed away. And a child, and even an adult baptized as a child, excuse me, an adult baptized is a child in the faith, right? Uh, And a child is incorporated, brought into, made a part of Christ's church. Yet, remember that baptism is a beginning and not the end. Even if you're older than me, I don't, there's hardly anyone here older than me. If you were a very old man and you were baptized at 80 years old, you would be brought into the church as a new child and you would be at the beginning of your Christian life. I baptized a gentleman who lived down the street from the church and he was dying of cancer. And one day he says to me, he says, I want what you have. I want to know Jesus. I said, well, this is not a get out of hell free card necessarily. This is a serious thing that you are doing with your life. And if you only live two days after your baptism, you should live it to Jesus, giving thanks to Jesus. But if you live for, if your cancer is healed and you live for 20 more years, he was 60 If you live for 20 more years, you should plan on living it in thanksgiving to Jesus, no matter what happens. So this is not just like an insurance certificate. And he says, yeah, I get it. But I want what you have. I said, okay. I talked with his wife, and she's Jewish. 
And this guy had hated Christianity and thought that most Christians were fools. And he couldn't come down to the church even. He was bedridden pretty much at this point. So I went there with a small handful of people and I baptized him on his back porch. It was a nice summer day. Remind me to tell you the story after church about what happened at the baptism. That was interesting. But my point is, he was brought into and incorporated into Christ's church. Became a member of the church. And he died six days later. And I did his, his memorial service as well. And here was a man who hated Jesus and what Jesus stood for. And when faced with reality said, maybe I need to take another thought. And I'm going to live the rest of my life, be it six days or six years or 16 years, for Jesus. So baptism is the beginning. His Christian life was pretty short. It was six days. I've got a picture of him holding his baptismal candle. I look at it once in a while just to be reminded of what God can do in our lives. Baptism is a beginning, not an end. Jesus pleads for all to trust him, to confess their sins, place their faith in him as the, one, as the once for all sacrifice for their sins and as the first fruit of the resurrection. At the heart, at the very center of the godly life of the Christian, of the life of thanksgiving for baptism, um, and that life is in the Holy Spirit, which we've been given our baptism, will be that first and repeated step of thanksgiving. I dare conjecture that, that that Samaritan who returned to give thanks and to worship remained a devoted disciple of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine the, the guy that decided, hey, wait a minute, I need to go give thanks. I think he lived the rest of his life because he knew something had happened. Something miraculous had happened, and he's going to say, thank you, I'm with you. I dare to conjecture, continues our priest as well, that that soul which leads that life of continual returning and cheerful thanksgiving will not only overcome sins, but will be preserved by Almighty God until that great day of judgment as a believer who kept his trust in God until his life's end. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. May not just one in ten of the baptized return to give thanks, but ten of ten remain in the church to glorify God as disciples of Jesus. Amen.